0: Okay, I've been in isolation for a week. I've had time to read a Bible dictionary, okay? Hi, welcome to Scattered. We're a group of friends from the same church who are serving God in different countries. And we're meeting online to chat through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. We'd love you to join us. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Scattered. Lovely that you could join us. We are looking today at Genesis chapter 42, and um, a couple of things to say. The first thing is up to now we've been looking primarily at Joseph and what God's been doing in and through the highs and lows of his life and the lens if you want to say sort of changes this week and we start to look at the brothers and we go back to see um, what God's been doing and how God's at work in the brother's life. So um, yeah we start the chapter today Um, Back in Canaan, as the song goes, the future looked rough, Um, Jacob's family were finding it tough. So the famine that we heard about last week in Egypt has stretched all the way to Canaan. Um, And we're going to be looking at today the brothers coming to Egypt, meeting Joseph, not recognising him, and then the way that God works to um, convict the brothers and um, remind them of their sin. Um, one of the things I listened to which I found super helpful was saying at the beginning of this chapter the brothers are in the worst possible condition 20 years have gone by and they have lived as if what they did to Joseph never happened and so they've not been forgiven but it's almost like they've forgotten and they've just carried on with life as normal um and the guy was saying how what a dangerous position that's that is to be in but um Praise God for this chapter because we begin to see God at work. So, ladies, I think the first thing it'd be really helpful to talk about this morning is conscience. And what is a conscience? Conscience basically means
1: with knowledge. Um, and I just really loved Thomas Aquinas's definition of it. It just says, he just says that conscience is the God given inner voice that either accuses or excuses us in terms of what we do. So it's. It's something that is given to all human beings, whether or not they are Christians. Uh, I think we can safely say that uh, most people uh, in the world have a sense of right and wrong. Where that sense of right and wrong comes from is the conscience, and it is God given to all.
2: I find it interesting, this question, because Jill, you said, didn't you, that the the brothers have been living for 20 years after doing like a really terrible crime, and I guess could we say at the beginning of chapter 42 potentially they're living in a place where they somehow managed to suppress their consciences about what they've done they're living because our conscience should guide our actions right so if they had listened to their consciences or even looked at their consciences maybe they would have done something about in that 20 years at some point maybe they would have tried to go and find joseph or maybe they would have told jacob what they did but they obviously haven't. So there's a sense, isn't there, in which we can suppress or numb or ignore our conscience to the extent that sometimes it, it can just go away, do you
3: think?
1: Yeah, I totally think that. I think, you know, if you, even if you think about hu- human beings as kids, throughout their childhood, adjust their conscience, you know, so that it's almost always downwards. And then you learn as you get older to... I guess, turn down the volume of your conscience. So that I read this amazing quote. So it says that so that our ethics align with how we want to live and not how God tells us we should live. So it's just a gradual over time, turning down, tuning down of our consciences so that eventually it matches with how we feel comfortable with living rather than how we are called to live
0: and i guess as christians we need the holy spirit don't we to quicken our consciences back to the way that they were designed to be otherwise one of the quotes i read was saying actually a, a holy spirit or a faith quickened conscience is such a helpful um it's helpfully clear right and wrong isn't it in a world that's so relative and we live in a world that's so relative and so naturally speaking our conscience, I guess, gets sucked into the relativism of the world if we're not quickening it by the truth of the Bible and allowing the Holy Spirit to allow it to be a faith-inspired conscience.
3: Yeah, definitely. Like um, in Paul's letter to Timothy, he says that our consciences can be seared and that we no longer listen to the promptings of the Spirit and same with... Abandonment, yeah, so here people are devoting themselves to false teachings and um lies, and instead, I guess, devoting ourselves to the Word of God can lead to a softer conscience.
0: And yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned lies in that list, Juliet, because I guess that's the clear thing that we can see, can't we, about the brothers, that they've lied to their dad every day and they've lived a lie oh, the animals mm. killed Joseph. And so actually, the more that mm. they inhabit that lie, the more, and I, I see, I've seen this as well, the more that lie can become truth to them, can't it? You can, you can even forget mm. the truth from lies. And so there's a sense in which they've believed that lie, that it was an animal that killed Joseph, because that quietens their conscience, doesn't it? I just wonder with the
1: brothers, whether this, in this chapter, whether it's even the first time that they've said stuff out loud to each other, whether they've toned, individually toned down their consciences over the last 20 years. And when, when Jacob set, mentions the word Egypt, whether that is like the first pricking, the first real pricking of the conscience that they have allowed themselves to feel in 20 years. The tears of their father did nothing. The cries of the rest of the family did nothing. Their consciences did nothing because they toned it down so much to align to and justify with what they did but the mention of Egypt is the first time that, that they really get a sort of kick in the head as to what went on those all those years ago.
2: It's not a peaceful place to be, is it, having that kind of guilty conscience? You can see, can't you, I mean, later in chapter 42, it's clear that there's still strife amongst the brothers, um, with Reuben in, in verse 22 saying, didn't I tell you? Like, there's still strife between them, and there's there's no peace, is there? And I just think the conscience, even though in a way we want to subdue it, we want to hide it, like the, the sin that we've done or the thing that we're uncomfortable about or the, 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 the way that we've gone against our conscience it's a source of strife within us, isn't it? And we can't hide it. Like we can ignore it and we can subdue it. But because I sometimes I struggle with, you know, these people in the world, you, you know, you read about them in the headlines who do terrible, terrible things over, over a period of years and years. And I just struggle. Like, how, how do you live like that? How can you sleep at night? Because it's all there, isn't it? It just takes a little scratch. Like, like you say in in verse one, the the mention of Egypt, and it's all there, like it's all seething under the surface, and there's no peace, is there? Yeah, and I guess you're right,
0: Mary. Even though life continued as normal on the surface, I'd be interested to know what those brothers dreamt about in those 20 years. Mm. How, you know, their conscience made an attempt to be like, hey, remember, there's something not right here. So, um, yeah. But there, I guess that's a really good way of putting it, isn't it? There's a there's a fight within each of them individually, and then there's no peace between them either, because there's this massive, undealt-with, unsaid thing, isn't there, that's bubbling away. Okay, so my next question is, where where in this passage then, Helen started to talk about it a little bit when we hear Jacob mention Egypt, um, yeah, where do we see in this passage how God starts to awaken that conscience and remind them that there's something that has to be dealt with?
2: It's interesting mm-hmm. that Jacob says in verse one, why do you just keep looking at each other? I when I first read that, I was like, is he saying, Why are you doing nothing? Like, why aren't you doing anything? But then when I looked deeper into it and, and read what other people have written about that, basically the way they were looking at each other was guilt, like with guilt in their eyes. And yeah, like we've said, this is the first stirrings of okay, what we've done was wrong. And then we we get just slightly, slightly later in the passage so they go to um Egypt don't they and there's this long walk that they would have done which was the same as Joseph uh and then in Egypt things start going wrong for them so they they go just like everybody else and they ask for their grain but Joseph is there and they don't know it yet but they are coming bang right up against you know their guilt and what they've done is going to hit them in the face um and and stuff is going to start Falling apart for them, you know, and sometimes I think God lets that happen for us. He, do, he doesn't like us sitting in our guilt and our, um, ignoring our conscience. He doesn't like the lack of peace in our lives. And sometimes He uses events in our lives to show us clearly like something's wrong. Yeah. The, their peace is disturbed, yeah. isn't it? Like, no question.
0: Like, their everyday sort of farming, looking after the sheep thing is no longer, um, available to them as a distraction is it they're in a Mm. yeah they're in a foreign land and it's not going well for them
3: and then and then they get called spies and they respond by saying we're honest men you know as part of their spiel and Joseph knows that they are but honest men and they're not living up to the truth of what has happened in the past and so yeah it's interesting how that kind of backfires on them really and um, Joseph keeps pressing them he is used as well by God to awaken their conscience.
2: Yeah can we talk about what Joseph does because at first reading you're like hang on a second he's seeing his brothers after 20 years this is huge for him right for them to just walk in there can you imagine the drama of that moment like watching these people walk back into your lives, who have basically tried to kill you and then sold you to slavery, they're suddenly standing in front of him. And he doesn't reveal anything, does does he? And at first, it seems deceptive, right? I was like, why doesn't he just say something? But actually, like, I think, like Juliet was saying, something deeper is going on, isn't it here? And we, we know already from Genesis that Joseph is a spiritually led man. So we, we, it must be more than he
3: is just deceiving them, right? And um, in verse nine, he, it says um, that Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them, and that that kind of reminds him of God's, you know, giving him those dreams, and then now it's them coming into realization. Um, it's quite incredible saying that. And then
0: I found it really interesting in verse seven where it says, He treated them like strangers and he spoke roughly with them. So he's, in a way, there's a deliberate sense in which he's being harsh with them, isn't he? But yeah, I had that wrestle as well, Mary. But I guess the wisdom of God is working through Joseph, isn't it, mm-hmm. to try and reveal their hearts and trying to help. Yeah, trying to help them see themselves more realistically than they have been doing um, by putting them into
3: prison. And And at one point, Joseph says that basically all the brothers should be in prison and just send one person back to fetch the younger brother. But then after the three days in prison, you know, it's almost like he's taken a step back and he's like, actually, no, you can all go back and just leave one brother in prison and I feel like it's it's quite gracious of him rather than giving all the brothers a taste of what he went through he's yeah he's let a lot of them go back. Yeah, with, extras,
2: with their silver still in their sacks, which is kind of cool, isn't it? Like this extra bit of generosity and mercy to his family. He didn't have to do that, did he? And yeah, although that fills them with fear, doesn't it? And I guess it's not super clear why it fills them with fear. Like, Are they afraid that they're going to be accused of stealing? Or do they just, they say, don't they, in verse 28, what is this that God has done to us? So they can see that God's doing something. Um, Again, in verse um, 21, surely we are being punished because of our brother. So they can see like the higher narrative here of God at work in this situation. And yet it's confusing and scary for them because they're in this place of guilt. They're not in this place of peace with God. They're not looking for his sovereign good hand in their situation. They're saying, God must be punishing us because we are bad people we've done wrong and he's going to crush us. Like it's kind of a a really different place to um, where they could be.
0: I I find that really helpful. The contrast with, you know, there's, there's there's times, isn't there, where we need the harsh, the harshness of God's word to um, bring us up short when we're sinning. But then also you see the lavish kindness of God in this um, extra generosity that Joseph shows to them. And I just thought we need both those things, don't we, at different times to be convicted and for our conscience to be drawn back to um, a faith filled spirit led conscience. And I just thought it it was beautiful that in this narrative, we see both those things. We see that, you know, at times God does need to speak harshly to us, but yet, that's always underpinned isn't it by his lavish kindness and grace towards us um so yeah i loved that you see both those things in the way joseph treats them in the same chapter
1: i found it interesting that their first response to joseph's kindness in those extra provisions for that journey was fear um, it made you know it made me think of um the song amazing grace uh, Twas grace that caused my heart to fear that kindness was terrifying to them because they they 'd been brought so beautifully to a place where they knew we don 't deserve this what 's going on we don 't understand, which I think is often a place that we come to or you know when we 've had our guilty consciences pricked we 're like but i don 't deserve it no you don 't, <laughs> but that 's the point um and actually um you know, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That's in Proverbs, isn't it? Only when you begin to see what grace is and recognize it, can you begin and, and be scared of it. Can you begin to process what it means for you, that grace? It is the beginning of wisdom because to recognize that grace it is the beginning of the journey, the beginning of the reconciliation.
0: Yeah, and I was really reminded of Romans two verse four, where it says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, and yeah, yeah what a beautiful picture this is of the beginning of that in the brothers. Mm. Mm. I, I
1: I just think it's amazing, isn't it, that there is grace and guilt that actually you should feel guilty. Like I I get nervous when we hear Christian narratives that say. Oh, don't feel guilty because you shouldn't feel guilt because Christ has taken it all. Actually, you need to recognize your position before the mighty God before you can really begin to fully understand the grace and benefits of forgiveness. Not that you wallow in that guilt, but there is grace in feeling that guilt because you can understand so much more the amazingness and the compassion and the kindness that come and the rest that comes with that grace.
2: Yeah, even though we shouldn't like too much look at Joseph's motives and stuff, like he does, you know, they call him, don't they, the Lord over the land, like the Lord of the land. And I kind of think there's a beauty, isn't there, to having a Lord of our land, like the Lord of our lives, who knows our guilt and yet is merciful and weeps like I love You know, he he sees them. And in verse 24, like he's dealing with them. And in verse 24, he turns away from them and begins to weep like he's compassionate and loving. And yet he wants to deal with our guilt and he wants to um, be merciful to us and be kind to us. But, yeah, sometimes that's really like through really hard stuff. Um, I read this beautiful quote. It's from uh, the Genesis commentary that I'm reading by Derek Kidner um and he says even the even the threats so we're talking about Joseph's threats so even the threats were tempered with mercy and the shocks that were administered took the form of embarrassments rather than blows a vindictive joseph could have dismayed his brothers with worthless sackloads or tantalized them at his feast as they had tantalized him his enigmatic gifts were kinder and more searching tests Just how well judged was his policy can be seen in the growth of quite new attitudes in the brothers as the alternating sun and frost broke them open to God. And I just think that's beautiful. I mean, I don't know how much Joseph saw his actions as a way of bringing his brothers into redemption, um, but they did, didn't they? Like towards the end of this passage, we've got these brothers who are, waking up to what they've done
3: yeah well you can see when they meet their father this time that they honestly report what has happened to him you know as mm. contrast to the first time when with joseph that they just sp- spilled lies this time they have a blow-by-blow account of the truth
0: mm. i read a really helpful article by ed welsh about conscience and how it works out and the thing that he said was <clears throat> the problem with our conscience and the guilt that we feel is actually if that's where we stay, it'll only ever lead to self-salvation and work harder and do more and deny yourself. Um, and so actually we need faith, don't we, to look outside of ourselves. The conscience tells us to look in and all we find is bad things <laughs> when we look in. But faith tells us to look out and look to Jesus. And that's where we find the mercy that we need. The conscience shows us our judgment, but faith and Jesus show us mercy. And yeah, the conscience makes us feel alone and like we could never solve it. And yet, um, when we look to Jesus, we find his answers and his salvation. And I just thought, yeah, that's that's helpful here, isn't it? That actually Joseph is a Jesus figure to them. And so actually they need to be looking to Joseph and that's going to be helping them. Um, with the massive guilt that they feel
1: and it is that process isn't it that is shown in this chapter joseph helps the brothers become what they profess to be right at the beginning when they first see joseph they're like no um we are honest you know verse 11 we are honest men they claim to be honest men but even at that point everybody you know everyone Uh -uh. knows really not the case but by the end through this loving discipline, because there's compassion behind Joseph's discipline, isn't there, of them, this sun and frost that Mary talked about, they are what they claim to be. And I just thought that was a great picture of us. I, I clearly see myself in the brothers. <laughs> I claim to live a Christian life, and yet my life really, a lot of the time, is anything but. And God knows that, and yet he gives me you know, by his Holy Spirit, he empowers me to
0: become more like what I claim to be. Mm. Mm. One of the pictures that I read about this chapter is, you know, the brothers start off with a swagger in their step. And by the end of this chapter, they've lost their swagger, haven't they? Their pride and their self-confidence has been kindly removed from them. And like, what a helpful picture that is of what happens when we become when we become Christians and when we go on being um, sanctified and grown in Jesus, that we lose our swagger and our personal confidence, and that all shifts onto a confidence in Jesus and His work on our behalf. Um, anything else, ladies, that you saw in this passage, or any personal examples of the way that God's done that in your life that you want to share?
2: You mean we need to talk about sin? I don't oh, like talking could, you about sin. If we can find any Mary, then we'd find it helpful. <laughs> well, you know, I'll have a good think. Maybe I need to talk to Dave or Paul.
3: Yeah, <laughs> we should get our
2: husbands. We should get our husbands on here. I'm pretty sure this bit would be
3: very like revealing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I saw a parallel in this in this story with uh, the pandemic. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's only been almost two years in but it feels like a bit of a famine affecting the whole world. And I think for us, um, that has had a big impact on our lives. And in some ways, that's been used as um, convicting us of where our security is. I think we've really struggled. We've found it like proper suffering, not being able to see either of our families. Yeah, I think we've responded in different ways, like comfort eating, comfort buying, (laughs) comfort going places nice. And also just like trying to control little circumstances that we can control when we're out of control with the big circumstances. And I think it's been God's grace through different ways he's spoken to us on Sundays or through scripture that yeah, our comfort shouldn't be in these things. Our comfort can rest on him.
0: I guess the big difference between us as Christians and the brothers in this chapter is we know forgiveness, don't we? And so actually when those things are poked or prodded in us, we can give them to the Lord and ask for his forgiveness and it's dealt with in a really different way than these brothers that concealed and hid and um lived in the lie. So yeah, I guess our guilt has been dealt with at the cross, hasn't
2: it? Mm. Mm. I was really struck by Jacob's Um, character I know it's not made a big thing of in this chapter but I was really struck by Jacob's character in this chapter there's just a few times where he says and does some things and I was like oh that's totally me because he's had this massive loss hasn't he losing Joseph and then we see throughout the passage he's terrified of losing Benjamin so verse 4 but Jacob did not send Benjamin Joseph's brother with the others because Benjamin is Rachel's other son and he loved Rachel so much and he doesn't want to lose this precious um, son he was afraid that harm might come to him Um, and then later on to the extent that he leaves Simeon in Egypt so that he can keep Benjamin and I I was just really surprised and it says verse um, 36 uh, he's talking about Joseph is no more and Simeon is no more and now you want to take Benjamin Everything is against me. And I was like, wow, like it's just so different, his reaction to things, to potentially how Joseph has reacted throughout the book so far. Like he, I'm totally like this. When I lose things, I get really grabby about the other things that God's given me.
1: Yeah, and I just Mm -hmm. found it so interesting that this verse struck me as well, the way that Jacob, it is like, woe is me. This is all about me. Even the brothers by this point have said, you know, in verse 28, what is it that God has done to us? <laughs> Joseph mentions God before the brothers do. Surely that should have been a, uh, an interesting. I would have loved to have known what the brothers thought when Joseph says, but I fear God. In verse 18, yeah. on the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live for I fear God. Joseph's mentioned God first. Then it takes a little bit more kicking for the brothers to see God at work. And Jacob at the end of this chapter is like, woe is me. But and I, I do I think we... it's that conscience part of it. Like he knew what his sons had done. He, I mean, think, I think it's clear t- that in this chapter that jo- Jacob knew that the brothers were involved in Joseph's disappearance. I mean, the way he reacts to, to Benjamin, he's really gra- like, like I like the phrase grabby. He's grabby with everything else. He's wrestling for I don't want to let anything else that I love that much let go. And I saw myself,
2: (laughs) I saw Mm. myself
1: with Jacob. And I was like, this is what I'm like when other things are out of control, I'm struggling. I, you know, that's where the conscience or the, you know, the concept of what's right and wrong and how I look at suffering and struggles, that's when I become too inward looking. Jacob was unable to look outside of himself in that moment.
0: I guess the good news is, ladies, that there's redemption for Jacob too. So we've got to stick with it because um, even Jacob's heart's (laughs) going to be softened by God's goodness and kindness. Um, Mm. So, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you next week for Chapter 43. Bye. Bye.